Amen. Amen. Everybody get your Bibles out, get your iPhones, get whatever your source of the Word is. If you'll get that out, we're going to spend some time today in the Word of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. A few other scriptures. I have got a bunch of scripture. The scripture is going to be what teaches us today, and I'm going to make some highlights and some points from the Word of God, but you're going to need your sword. Your sword is an amazing tool. Do you guys realize that? And I want to make sure that I'm on here. Is this thing on already? Is it... This is a new one, so I'm loud. Am I loud? Do I need to be turned down? Okay. Is my PowerPoint thing working, though? That's what I really... I don't know how to turn the new one on, so I'm technically challenged. Huh? There we go. Off. It says it's on, so all right. I'll trust that it's on. All right. Everybody ready for the Word of God today? You hungry? You thirsty? Well, today I'm going to share a message, and it's, it's, it is a message uh, that I'm going to go right along with Paul, and it is a message of maturing the body of Christ. It's an area that we need to grow in, okay? And so I may, ch- I may even touch on some sacred cows today, and I may step on your toes a little bit today, and I'm all for that, because even like Paul, Paul came to bring correction to the church in Corinth. And I believe God is wanting to this church to mature in some things of the Spirit. Can I have an amen on that? And so that's why I've been on this series of the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We've been on this for several weeks. I'm going to kind of go back a little bit since it was three weeks ago that I last shared my message. I'm going to briefly just recap what we talked about, but I want to begin to launch into an area that I really believe God wants to mature New Covenant Worship Center in. I believe there's an area God wants to bring instruction and revelation today. And so is everybody ready to receive from the Lord as if you're receiving from me as if it is is from the Lord? Amen. So good. Praise God. So a couple weeks ago, we we took 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 7 7 through 11. We began to talk about uh, the manifestations of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and we began to talk about them briefly. And uh, I'm just going to go over that real quick. I want to read this scripture, and uh, I want to I point out some things. So it says here, Now to each one, us being the one, each of us, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the, of the same Spirit, Uh, To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, excuse me. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. And so we, we looked at this scripture and we basically last week we, um, it's not advancing for me guys. There we go. Now it is. There we go. So several weeks ago, we made this little list of the nine manifestations of the Spirit that Corinthians is talking about. And this was the list. There is a gift or a manifestation of wisdom, the message of wisdom, the message of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And Paul is addressing the church in Corinth and saying, these are the gifts that will manifest in your corporate celebrations. They even manifest in small groups. They may manifest even with you as you're ministering to people, even on the streets. It's not just for the church, but these gifts, these manifestations of the Spirit are to be in us. Can everybody say us? Say me, Me. that we're to eagerly desire these spiritual gifts. They They have not ended. They have not stopped. These gifts are still in God's people. Can I have an amen? And so the word of God, we're going to see, it talks about earnestly desiring these spiritual gifts and these manifestations. And I talked a couple weeks ago about the definition of that Greek word in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the word manifestation. And literally that word manifestation, I am going 
the wrong way. I will get this. You may have to help me, Jesse, back there. I might just throw this thing away. The definition of manifestation, like I shared several weeks ago, that the manifestation of the Spirit is an outward public demonstration that clearly shows and makes people aware of God's presence. That manifestation reveals, everybody say, a message of his true identity, his nature as Lord, and what is on the Lord's heart. Everybody say amen. amen. Does anybody want to know what's on the Lord's heart? He has a message that he wants to bring forth through the manifestations of the Spirit of God. He has a message that he wants to be declared. Even today, as we were having people come up to us during the worship service, people were beginning to share things, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, as they began to share it. And Alger and I, we were talking, we were stewarding the message on how God and what God was trying to declare to the people of God today. Did you see how that worked? Did you see how that worked? We're not just doing that to uh, make people look important. The people that shared that are not more important than the other person. Can I have an amen on that? But they are getting something from heaven as they're worshiping the Lord. These manifestations begin to be manifest in the congregation so that God is glorified and that his nature is and and people have no they have no there's no um um they cannot deny that the presence of god is in the house one of the things that our guests and our visitors say all the time i could really feel the presence of the lord they say that on the cards as they fill out their guest cards wow uncomfortable but i really felt the presence of the lord how many know sometimes getting in the presence of God is uncomfortable? All of a sudden, there's some things that start to happen on the inside of you. You go, where, oh, not used to that. Woo! Mm. I feel something, but I'm just not sure what it is. Again, these things are for a purpose and for a reason, and it's pointing to something greater than us. Can I have an amen on that? And so we want to begin to dive into this further today. But I wanted to talk and show again this, this, the definition of, of the manifestation and why they're there, because I've got it in parentheses, there is a message on God's heart. With every manifestation of the Spirit, there is a message that's coming from that tongue, that interpretation of tongue, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, faith, the uh, works of miracles, uh, healing, all the sermon of spirits, all these gifts that we just listed. There's a message behind it all. And we've really got to get this foundation in us because when we're getting these words, when we're getting these impulses, when we're getting these visions and these, these things that come from heaven, there has to be something in us that, are, that, that we're going, hmm, okay, so the Lord is trying to do something and to express something to this, the people here. It's not just so that I can have a rhizmatizzy, hake and shake and bake, or a quiver, a, a curly shuffle, you know, or, or whatever. It's not for me. Everybody say, it's not for me. That experience is not for me. But that experience of the Spirit is a message, and it's for God, and it's for us. Amen? And so we're going to go into that. And so I want to talk today about the why of the manifestations of the Spirit, and I want to go to the how as well as the manifestations of the Spirit. And I want to begin to, to point out what Paul is talking about. And we got a lot of scriptures to cover, so get your... I hope you read fast today, because I have got to keep this thing moving. But I want to bring something that I really feel the Spirit of God has put in my heart. So let's show 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. We've just read it, but I want to point out. Now the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Everybody say common good with me. It is given for. It is given for. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The other scripture out of 1 Corinthians 14, 12. If you don't mind putting that up there. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. Everybody say build up the church. Up the church. 
So the first one was common good. The second one is to build up the church. Now look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. When you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation of a tongue. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Drop down to verse 31. Again, Paul's hitting on something. You see what he's doing. Verse 31, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone, everybody say everyone, may be instructed and encouraged. So let's say it together. Instructed and encouraged. So you, are you seeing a theme here? Let's look at another one out of Ephesians 4, chapter 12. We're going to move from 1 Corinthians. And as that's getting ready to come up, now this passage, we quote this passage a lot. It starts in verse 11, and it says, It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the gifts, right? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be what? Again, built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and that we all become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Who wants that? Who wants to mature? Who wants to attain to the full measure, to the full knowledge of Christ? Who is there? Is there anyone that wants to get there? I want to get there. And we're in the process of maturing and getting a revelation of the beauty and the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. That's where we're headed. And so Ephesians is talking about, again, this building up. So we've had, again, common good, building up, instructed and encouraged. Another one, go to Romans chapter 1, verse 11. I know I'm going fast. If you got your clicker, I'm probably going faster than what you can get there. But Romans 1, again, Paul admonishing the body of Christ something. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. Again, spiritual gift, manifestation of the Spirit to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Are you guys with me? So, I'm going back over that, and I say, okay, common good, we said. Build up the church. We have built up again. We have instructed and encouraged. We're talking about preparing God's people, building up the body of Christ. The manifestations, the gift of the Spirit are to build up and to bring a profit to all of us. And where we need to mature is where I'm going. What is Paul's guiding principle through all of these scriptures? Takes a real brain scientist for that. I've said it five times already, right? His guiding principle to, 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 to know that the things of the Spirit are true, are genuine, is that are what is being done edifying and building up and profiting all. Everybody say all. Is it edifying? Is it common? Is it, is it, is it, is it, is everyone being edified, built up, encouraged mutually? Is what Paul is saying is the guiding principle of what he's saying? Is the message that is coming forth profiting all? So, what does the word common good what does the word edify? What does the word mutually encourage? What do these words literally mean? So I'm, I'm going to go, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in the definitions, but I am going to start hitting, I'm going to hit on several of the definitions, and this is where I really want to encourage you to write these down, because when you're getting these manifestations of the Spirit, when God's starting to speak to you, these are the guiding principles that you're looking for, for your word or your admonishment, for it to affect and to profit everyone. This has got to be one of your foundational principles as you're getting a word. Because, okay, I'm going to give you an example of, and, and, of, of how the word. So we can be in a worship service and we can be celebrating God and someone comes up and they say, hey, the Lord says to jump in the river. 
Now, for those who have been in the Lord a while, jump in the river means something. But it doesn't profit everyone because everyone in the house does not have a clue by what you're saying about jumping in the river. Oh, take my clothes off and jump in the river. I mean, what does it mean when the Spirit of God is emphasizing something and, he's, and, and the word of knowledge is coming? There has to be something that is interpreted. It has to be expressed so that the whole church might be edified and built up. Can I have an amen on that? We've got to mature the gifts. We've got to mature the manifestations of the Spirit so that all profit. And so we're going to go into what does these words mean when we talk about common good. So in the King James, common good is the word profit at all. And it is the Greek word, sumphero. And it means to contribute to the whole, to bring together and to make all better. Everybody say all. To make all better. It also means to be advantageous and appropriate for achieving a particular end for everyone. See, God has a bigger picture than you and I have. See, God's wanting to accomplish something every time we meet. When we come together, everyone has a hymn, everyone has a psalm, we have a tongue, we have an interpretation. There is gifts and manifestations of the Spirit that we are needing because God has something bigger. He's trying to speak to New Covenant Worship Center today, or in our small groups in our homes, or in youth ministry, or in the Flip 180, or whatever aspect of ministry, these things are to be operating for taking the people of God somewhere. So Paul is saying there's a, there's a particular end that God is wanting when these things take place. And Paul is wanting you to operate in the manifestations of the Spirit, whether that be tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge. It should be advantageous for all. It should bring together and make everyone better. So that's the word common good. That's the word that we use out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. That's what that common good means. But as we move down into 1 Corinthians 14, Paul begins to build, and he begins to, to explain more what he, what he believes the church is trying to, what God wants to accomplish through the church. And he uses this word, build up. He uses this word build up, or the King James uses the word edify. Everybody say edify. I want to keep you engaged. He says in, in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, Since you are eager for spiritual gifts, try to excel in the gifts that build up. So what is the word build up? That's where we get our word architect. It's where we get the word structure. It's where we get this word where there's pieces and parts of the building that need to come together for a particular end or purpose. Okay? I'm not boring you guys as students, am I? Good. So, it's about arranging together for a purpose. To, and so, in this word of edify and build up, the, the manifestations of the Spirit are literally to establish truth, accuracy, <laughs> on, on a message from God. There's a validity and a genuineness. There's strength that he's trying to add to the church. He, and, and, and the other word that the word edify means here is ascension. Now, what do we know about the word ascension? Ascension is this, when Jesus Christ ascended to heaven... This, this word has this connotation of build up that we're to ascend from the earth to heaven. That we're literally bringing the atmosphere of heaven here and we're ascending from earth to heaven. Does that make sense? And so that's what these spiritual gifts are to be doing. They're literally to be edifying. They're to be building up. They're to be taking the church higher in our faith, higher in our understanding of Jesus, higher in what God has for us. Amen. 
And the ultimate goal is to strengthen the condition and character and the formation of Christ in you. I'm going to say that again. That building and architecture, the real, if I sum up all those words, it's this. That the gifts and the manifestation of the Spirit are to strengthen your condition and your character and the formation of Christ in you. So when I get a word of knowledge, that that word of knowledge is going to be that of instruction and building you up, and it's going to help form the very character of Christ in you as you get a revelation of what God is saying. So, an example. A couple weeks ago, when our teenagers, they were ministering, and I loved it. Braden came over here. Man, he's not been prophesying, but he's been church three days, and he's prophesying already. And he goes over to Scott Cash, and he begins to go, God showed me a YouTube video. And he begins to say, this is what God showed me about power. And, da, 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 da. and I mean, he's crying, Scott's crying, the whole church is crying. And the church is like, <laughs> faith rose. It's like when Denny Kramer prophesied over her, you're pregnant. <laughs> everybody starts laughing. You're pregnant with prophecy. You're pregnant with prophecy. And all of a sudden, everybody's going, huh. the church is being edified. And it's being built up that God's in the house and he has a message to declare. He has something on his heart. And he's wanting you to do something. And this church is being edified all together as one. And faith and trust and all these things begin to happen as the Spirit of God is edifying and strengthening the church for us to move into our destiny. Are you with me? And I've had words where they've come forth and it's like, plop. Plop. Oh, that was encouraging, yeah, but plop. And it wasn't edifying to the church. So then you wrestle and you go, okay, God, why was that word not quite plop? Why? And okay, God, was it not edifying to the whole body? Was that specific for that person? See, many times we struggle up here as we're trying to discern what the Spirit of God is saying, and we're talking back and forth. And you guys come to Alger and you share something with him. We're discerning what is the message he's trying to declare over the house. This one has a piece. This one has a part. This one has a, a piece. And we're trying to bring a declaring message of what God is saying for the body. It's supposed to work beautifully. We're growing in it. And it's getting better and it's getting stronger. And it, there's a greater level of anointing. And the presence of the Holy Spirit has been strong in our services. Aren't you glad for that? Yes. We don't want to, I'm not saying we want to shut down the gifts of the Spirit. I want to celebrate them. But I also want to mature in them. Because I know, mm, I know when we mature in them, He can trust us with more. And when He can trust us with more, we can have greater impact in the city and region. For his kingdom come and his will be done. Not that we can look better as a church. That is not what this is about. So, build up. Then there was the scripture that everyone might be instructed and mutually encouraged. The word instructed there literally is to be instructed. How profound, no. To learn, to comprehend a revelation, to understand and it's like I said about the get in the river. Wonderful admonishment from the Lord. But again, what does get in the river mean? Not everyone understands it. It's not being instructed. We've got to instruct the body on what God is saying. So how is it that I get in the river? How is it that I get in the river of God? It's a metaphor. And that metaphor is a message. And in that metaphor, we have to help the body of Christ understand. And so maybe you come up to me and you say, the Lord says get in the river. I said, okay, so what's he trying to say to the body of Christ? What's he trying to say? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, I'll keep that inside of me. We'll, we'll deal with what that means. I'll go over here to Alger and I'll say, hey, Alger, what do you sense about, hey, they just sense that God's really wanting us to jump in the river. What do you feel like we're, what the Lord's saying? You see how it works? And each part, each part has a, play, a part to play. And if your message doesn't get shared, it's not that you didn't hear from God. It may be to edify you. It may be to build you up in your holy faith. 
There was once morning, it was the, the, the message that came forth was unconditional love, unconditional love, unconditional love, and the word went, whoop. Wasn't the word was wrong, it was actually for that person. And God was speaking to that person, they thought it was a corporate message, and actually God was saying to them, I want you to walk in unconditional love. So God was having a message for them, whoa, what area of my life am I not walking in unconditional love? Isn't that beautiful? That's the way it's supposed to work in the house. This is good stuff. I hope you like it. So, mutually encouraged. The word mutually encouraged literally means to comfort, to call near, to inspire with courage. Now, we need that in our culture. It has something to do with confidence, but here's my definition that I love. Mutual encouragement is the quality of mind that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, or pain without fear. So when the manifestations of the Spirit take place, you may be sitting there with cancer, and God's beginning to bring a manifestation of healing, and you need courage in the journey that you're in. And God may begin to declare some words of encouragement, mutual encouragement, that you might be built up and strengthened in your faith, faith in the face of fear. And so as I bring the encouragement, as I bring what the Spirit of God has put in my heart towards you as I minister to you, whew, courage comes in the face of the trial. Oh, I'm not going to give up. Oh, I'm going to stand. Oh, that cancer can't have me. Oh, yes, I will believe God in faith. God says this. God says that. I will stand. I will stand. That's mutual encouragement. Are you with me? And this is the why. This is the why the gifts and the manifestations of the Spirit are so important. People walk through these doors and they are discouraged. They are frustrated. Their kids have been driving them nuts or their kids in drugs or this and that. And they need the power of God to come and manifest himself to them in this hour to get them through. Anybody been there? I remember many years ago when we could not have children. Got three crazy ones now. <laughs> Seven years we waited, contending. And I can't tell you how many times the word of the Lord would come for Karen and I as we were standing in faith for children. And the word would come in the midst of fear, in the midst of my wife's body having such terrible sickness and disease. Stage four endometriosis. They said they would, she would have to have her uterus taken out at a very young age. She still has her uterus. But the words came forth from a grandma who died this week. Betty, Duncan, and many others in the church at that time began to prophesy and declare, Oh, you shall have a son and his name shall be Joel. You shall have a son, and his name will be Abraham. You shall have a daughter. They didn't name her. <laughs> we were confused right up to the moment when we named Rebecca. <laughs> Sorry, sunshine. <laughs> it's been confusing ever since, hasn't it, babe? <laughs> but again, God spoke, brought courage brought belief, brought faith through the gifts and the manifestation of the Spirit. And by golly, we need them here in the house of God. And they're here to encourage, to admonish, to build you up in your holy faith. Man, that's good stuff. I'm going to preach myself happy. So Paul's guiding principle, again, is for others to profit and to be built up. Prophecy. We've always taught in this house, when we prophesy, the three main things of prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. We preach that all the time, but I want you to know it's not just for prophecy. It's for tongues. It's for every manifestation of the Spirit, that it should be for edification, exhortation, and comfort of the body. It's not to whip you. It's not to correct you and to beat you and tell you everything that you're doing wrong. It's actually to tell you that there is a greater hope. There is a greater destiny. There is something better God has for you. 
and to get beyond where you're currently at. And God says, I have a message for you. And if it doesn't line up with all the descriptions that I've just said, then you need to keep your mouth shut. Can I have an amen on that? That is right. I have quite confidence that that's what the Word of God says. So build up, encourage, comfort. So let's look at where we get in error, according to Paul. Are you guys ready to find out where we get into error, according to Paul? Because I believe there's at times we get in error at New Covenant. So turn with me to the 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we're going to get into this, and we're going to dive into this. And this is where I may step on your toes, and that is okay. If you have a problem with anything you have, I have to say, come see me. Don't go to Sister Booty and Betty and Freda, Frida and Frick <laughs> and say, I can't believe he thought on that. Oh, did you realize that is just so ridiculous what he's had? Sister, man, we need to go to the elders of the church. We need to kick that boy out. No. You're, put your big boy pants on, and you do Matthew 18, and if you've got a problem with me, you come to me. I think you're actually going to agree, because the Word of God really is pretty plain and clear on how we're to operate. So, 1 Corinthians 14, for all Betty Boos, chapter 1 through 12. This is a lot of reading. Don't get bored with reading, because there is so much good stuff in here that we're going to read, okay? So, if you'll put up 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. Everybody say with me just the first four or five words. Five words. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Now, again, church, I taught you about this a couple weeks ago. My dad even said this yesterday as we were talking about it. I had my brother-in-law come up, or my nephew come up to me and said, I got a question on tongues, Eric. We've been studying this at First Baptist, and I'm just confused. And I said, great, let's talk about it. And um, my dad said, well, I've never, never seen the need for tongues. I just don't see that I've ever needed it. Is it something I should ask for? Oh, daddy. Oh, daddy. And I took him to 1 Corinthians 14 last night, and it says to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire it. Hey, I don't want that weird stuff. Okay, well, let's keep going. That's a rabbit trail. So follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to who? So when you're speaking in tongues, who are you speaking to? Who are you speaking to? Okay, that's going to be important later. Because the biggest issue that we're going to talk about today is tongues, prophecy, and all that kind of stuff. But tongues is the one that really gets nailed all the time. Let's just face it. Tongues in our culture... It's a big issue. And if we'll mature in it, it'll be a less of an issue. If we'll mature in it, it'll actually be a sign and a wonder of God's glory and his purpose and a message. Remember the word message, right? So, if anyone speaks in tongue, he does not speak to men, but they, he speaks to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. So when you're speaking in tongues, you are uttering mysteries to God. And you are talking to God. Everybody in agreement with that? Indeed, no one understands him again. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men. For what? Their strengthening, their encouragement, and their comfort. There's those words again. So when I prophesy, I'm speaking to you. What are the gifts to do? Edify you. Okay, so go to the next one. For we speak, for, he, for who speaks in a tongue edifies. Okay, but he who prophesies. The whole church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues, not greater in importance. The gift and the manifestation, it is greater to edify the church, and it's greater in its, its reach and what it's to accomplish. Not that you are greater.
But he who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may be edified. So there's this issue of the tongue, if it's brought in the corporate celebration, that tongue, when it's brought and you hear it, it should be interpreted is what it's saying, right? Okay, so what about the issue of edifying himself? So here's, 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 here's the little rabbit trail that I'm going to go on as we're with this is when we're praying in tongues, that tongue, we need to realize that our tongue is to edify us, right? And so let's go on a little bit of scripture. Before I go into this, I'm gonna, I'll explain some more. Now, brothers, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Again, he's trying to, the points that I'm trying to make today, again, there is a purpose behind the manifestation, and it's to bring revelation, it's to bring a knowledge, it's to bring a prophecy, a word of instruction, so that all might profit, again, say all. all. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the flute or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Go ahead. Next screen. Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You will be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world. Yet none of them is without meaning. So, i got to find where I'm at. Yes, that's 1 through 12. Keep going. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and he is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. Now, I'm going to read one more scripture, and then I'm going to make some points. Let's go to the next one. 1 Corinthians 14, same chapter, verse 15 and 20. So now Paul says, so what should I do? So if this is the case, this is the argument, what are we to do as the body of Christ? He says, I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit. If you've ever been in a church service and all of a sudden the sanctuary begins to be filled with a heavenly, heavenly tongue and everybody is praying in the spirit, that is called praying in the spirit. It's beautiful you've ever heard it it's amazing but i will also sing with my understanding otherwise when you are praising god in the spirit tongues were praising god in the spirit right how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they do not know what you are saying next one you may be giving thanks well enough but the other man is not edified say with me the other man is not edified what is god wanting to do in the house of god that all be edified that all be built up it's not about you i thank god that i speak in tongues more than all of you but in the church i would rather speak five intelligible words to what instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, stop thinking like children. Don't be immature. In regards to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. Now, I, I got to go to one more scripture. I'm sorry. This is a lot because I want to build a case. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no, no interpreter of the tongue, the speaker should what? Keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So, there's a difference between my tongue, between me and God, that is a heavenly tongue between me and him that I talk to him at, and there is a difference between the corporate tongue that needs an interpretation. Are we, not, are we clear on that? There's two aspects, and I'm not going to go into depth on that today. But here's the deal. 
is if, there, if you are speaking loudly in tongues, and I have had people scream from the top of their lungs in tongues as they're even praying for people, I want you to know that's not biblical. You are edifying yourself, but the person you are ministering to is not being edified, is what the Word of God says. Now, if you are with someone that speaks in tongues, and they speak in tongues and you're ministering to them, you ask them, do you speak in tongues? No, I don't. Then you pray to God quietly. It says keep it close. That word to keep quiet literally means to keep it close to yourself. Hold your peace. Be self-controlled. Can you realize that you still have self-control when the Holy Ghost comes on you? If you think for a moment that you do not have self-control, what in the world is Paul talking about then? You literally can keep quiet. And here's the deal, is we, God is more concerned about the church being edified than he is about you being edified. Now, when you're praying in tongues, you, there is no doubt, if you're up here on the prayer line, there is no doubt you need to pray in the Spirit. There is, you're trying to get a download, you're, but you are being edified yourself. Keep that to yourself. Pray in the Holy Spirit, but pray quietly. That's what the Word's talking about here. Or in the corporate celebration, and we're up here, and someone gives a tongue, and there's no interpreter, shh, be quiet. Don't bring it. Praise God, we have several interpreters. We have several people here who have the gift of interpretation, and there is freedom in this house to be able to speak in tongues. Praise God for it, because I've been in a church before where a tongue comes off, and now it's dead quiet. So, dear God, there's not an interpreter in the house. <laughs> and it's awkward. Anybody been there? And so we wait, and we wait, and we wait. And so what? At this point in time, there's no interpretation. If someone gets an interpretation later, please let me know, and we'll go on. Does it mean that the tongue is wrong? No. Doesn't mean that the tongue is wrong. It means that there was no interpreter. And so for the profiting of all, we need to keep quiet, because God's wanting the whole church to be edified. Am I making any sense on this? And so, if there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet and keep it close to himself. Now, I want to show a video. If you could shut that, you got that video up? Now, how many saw the inauguration of the President of the United States? Did anybody watch the interdenominational prayer service the same day as the inauguration? Austin did. Did anybody else see it beside Austin? I'm telling you, God downloaded to me during this prayer service this whole issue of tongues and interpretation. And he did something in my heart. And I'm going to show you a clip of the inauguration prayer time. They had Hindus. They had Muslims. They had all kinds of faiths there at the inauguration. You, uh, inter, I don't, can't, can't remember what they called it. And here is what happened in this. And I wish, I, this doesn't show it, you're just going to hear the guy speak in a different language. But I wished you could have seen the faces of Donald Trump and Mike Pence and the rest of the people in the congregation. It was priceless. Let's listen to this. Thank you. Anybody understand that? There were several others that came up and they would chant. And you laugh, but that's what you sound like in your tongue to someone who has no clue 
about tongues. You guys are flaky weird. They're not edified. You are edified. But the congregation is not. I'm not saying don't speak in tongues. Dear God, I pray like Paul that we would all speak in tongues. But when there is no interpretation, bring it close. Keep it between you and God and speak to God for your edification. But Paul says you're a child when you do it the other way. And what is it when my children, when they were little, when I would try to instruct them to be caring about the other sibling or caring about their kids in their class, and I would say, don't be rude. Be thinking about how that would feel when you're bullying that kid or you're being bullied. It hurts you. And you try to teach compassion and you try to teach empathy and you try to teach being concerned about others. And that's what Paul's talking about. Be concerned about all profiting, not just about yourself. That's selfish. It's prideful. It's self-centered. When you do it, it needs to be quiet to you. It really does. That is the word of the Lord. Because God is, Paul's defining moment was, it should profit all, not just you. You could be praising God well, as he said, but not everyone is edified by that. Does that make sense? And so in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, he says, follow the way of love. Now, I really appreciate it. It's Wednesday when we had staff meeting. I was running my message by Tom, and Tom said, he was bringing some points out about my message. And that's the beautiful thing about why we even meet with people on messages. Do you realize God adds so much more when you're actually able to dialogue and talk about the message? And Tom made a great point. He said, you know, I think what people really struggle about with tongues is they bring that scripture in where I've got to obey God, not man. If I get something by the Spirit, I've got to share it. Because I've got to, I've got to obey God, not man. And the point that Tom made was was so powerful. That scripture was not talking, the context of that scripture had nothing to do with tongues, interpretation of tongues, or words of knowledge or anything. That was having to do with Paul not being able to preach the gospel, and they were saying, quit declaring that name. Don't preach the name of Jesus any longer. And the scripture says, am I to obey God, or am I to obey man? See, there's this thing that we think we can only love God. But the Bible says that the law, of the, the whole law is summed up in the commandment of this. Love God with all your heart and love others as yourself. We have this disconnect where we think we can't love God and love people when it comes to the things of the Spirit. And I'm saying, no, it has to be both. There has to be a thing where we, that we realize that the love of God is so in love with us, he's trying to bring something to us. And that your word or your message or whatever you're having, your tongue, it really is really about the edification of the body of Christ. It's not about you. Amen. And there's many other scriptures that I could bring to you today about loving one another, about putting on love. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says that if I, I know, yeah, there I go, one, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Go up further. You got to go up further. That's not the one. It's the, it's the very beginning, verse 1. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am only a sounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all of the mysteries and all the knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love for you guys and for him, I'm nothing. Keep going. If I possess, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but I have not love, I gain nothing. For love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and never fails. See, love edifies. Love profits all. Love builds up. Love mutually encourages. Love makes it about what's on God's heart. And so the manifestations of the Spirit, they have to be connected with love. And the purpose of those manifestations is to bring us all a message. To bring Sam a message, to bring Bruce a message, to bring Chuck a message. And we have to mature in that. And all I'm saying is, whether it's tongues or it's prophecy, I've seen people go wacky on prophecy, and it come across as condemning, as it comes across as there's something wrong with me, it doesn't come across as edifying and building me up in my holy faith. I've seen the discernment of spirits the same way. I've seen the manifestations actually abused in the body of Christ over the last 30 years. And here's the deal. It's because we're immature. It's because we don't really understand this foundation that, this, that the manifestations of the Spirit are for the common good. They're for the people. That God has a message. He loves us so much. He's trying to elevate. He's trying to build us up. He's trying to take us higher. He has a purpose in all this. And if we eliminate the gifts of the Spirit, what happens to the church? We're not built up. We actually become more immature. We actually become religious. We actually become people that have no power and no punch and no effectiveness. The signs, the wonders, and miracles are only confirming the word. They're only confirming the message that Jesus Christ is Lord and he is God and the fear of God needs to return to the house of God and we need desperately to operate under the manifestations of the Spirit through love and we need to get our selfish ways out of the way our immaturity as when we think like children sometimes and we start going and it's really our hearts are good our motives i don't believe are bad at all it's that we get so excited when the spirit of god begins to use us we get so excited when the spirit of god speaks something or gives us a vision or gives us something in our excitement sometimes we lose the foundation that oh this excitement is for a purpose this excitement this thing that i'm getting right now is ultimately to build up and to edify other people and I've got to literally calm down for a moment in my excitement. And I've got to say, okay, God, what are you saying? What is the message behind the sign? Does that make sense? I love you guys. Thank you. Stand up with me. Praise the Lord. So I want to say love God and love man. Be a message bearer. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. May we do these in order to edify, to build up what is so precious to Jesus, and that is you.